right, as you make your way back to your seat, God bless you. If you'd remain standing, please, if you could, we're going to go to Scripture. We're going to go to God's Word. We're going to go to a powerful, wonderful, familiar story to many of you out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. And while you're turning there, 1 Samuel 17, I'll start reading at verse number 28. 1 Samuel 17, 28, verse number 28. Uh, special week this week, really special week this week. Uh, none other than Thor Torrent is going to get married this week. And uh, we, we celebrate with him. We're so excited. And uh, they'll be making their way home soon. And you're going to, if you haven't met Brittany, you're going to meet her. She's a wonderful, wonderful Christian person. And we're so excited for Thor and Brittany. Thank God for them. All right, Samuel 17, 28. Say amen when you got it. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Can I just say this before I get any further in the scripture? I, my hope this morning is I want you to make a, a deliberate effort today in considering and thinking about the way that we live our lives. You know how we live our lives? We live our lives by faith in God. Faith in God. We walk by faith, we live by faith. And I really, when I want to preach here, I feel like the Lord has, has given us for today is, is an encouragement for you to, to consistently live your life by faith in God. Now, there are certain moments of time it it's really feels like it's easy to do that. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, there are crescendo moments in time, there are high moments, there are mountaintops, there are moments of you know, just extreme faith where it's just there, maybe even the gift of faith. You're like, anything can happen. And then there's other days, they're like the sucky days. You know what I mean? The bad days, the stinky days, the, the days where you look and you're like, is anything good here? And you know, it's in those days, some of you maybe feel that way this morning. Uh, it's in those days, and that's what I want to preach out of in, in Samuel 17. It's those days that you've got to reach back into the things that God has done for you. And God is so real to every one of us that, that if, if you have any desire for the Lord, he's going to show himself to you over and over and over again. And what I want to preach about this morning is that as he shows himself over and over, there are, there are memories that you can catalog away and that in a dire moment, in a challenging moment, your faith rises up. You pull out of the catalog a time when God did something special for you. And that, that's called your faith, your faith in God. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you to your faith in God, your personal faith in God. And that's what I hope, with the help of the Lord, to, to bring to you this morning. And that's what this story is going to bear forward. So Elab's anger was kindled against David, and, and he said, Why comest thou down, down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep? You see kind of like the cutting, cutting words, older brother, you punk. Your couple little sheep, what do you, I mean, what are you doing here, little, little jerkhead? Why, why are you here? Uh, you know, he's just condescending in a lot of ways. What are, you, what are you doing here? And with whom hast thou lost those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride. Can I just tell you something here this morning? There are going to be people that don't understand you. And there's going to be people that misappropriate your motives. They're going to say, oh, you're doing this. Just you want to be a hot shot. You, and uh, sometimes you just got to ignore those kind of people. You just, you just do. 
He said, I know thy pride wasn't true, and the naughtiness of thy heart wasn't true. For thou art come down that thou mightest, and look, look how far off his ignorant brother is. You're just here to see the battle. David's like, before it's all said and done, <laughs> I'm not here to see the battle. I'm here to engage in the battle. And me, that great big guy down there that y'all running from, me and him probably going to face off. But his brother couldn't see that in him. He didn't, he didn't see past the kid. He didn't see that within him was a giant killer. And David said, what have I now done? Like, give me a break. I mean, just leave me alone. Is there not a cause? I mean, it's not about me. It's about the cause. It's, there's something bigger at stake here. And he turned from him toward another. And I like that. So many messages we give here. He turned. The brothers, you know, is condescending and distrusting. As he just turns. Because sometimes that's what you got to do. Sometimes you just got to turn from the negative voices that are the nattering nabobs that are just in your ear and just filling you with representations of yourself that are not accurate to who you really are. Come on. No, I just, I'm, that's not who I, I got to just turn. I can't, I can't hear that anymore. Um, he turned from him toward another, spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again according to the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. So the, the word migrates up to the king of Israel that is facing this tremendous battle in front of them with the Philistines and particularly with Goliath. And uh, David's heart, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. <laughs> so he's misunderstood. His motives by his own brother are messed up. He stands before the king. He's like, he's standing before the king. And he's like, just relax. It ain't nothing but a thing. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. You know, you got, you got to admire his sense of confidence. But can we say this? His confidence wasn't in him. His confidence was in his God. And that was not an ill-placed confidence. That was not an accidental, incidental confidence. That was a confidence that was born out of a life of relationship with his God. You don't just run out and fight a Goliath without having some stuff behind you. But he had some stuff behind him and with great confidence. Hey, I'll go and I'll, I'll fight this Philistine. Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Number two, doesn't see within him the potential that's with him. For thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. I read somewhere in the New Testament it says, let no man despise thy youth. But be an example of believers, word, faith, conversation, purity, charity, all these things. He said, don't let anybody despise your youth if you have the qualifications. You don't, ap you don't just, just think you're big enough and bad enough to fight this big dude. But if you've got a relationship with God, and that's been proven through the years, then you've got every right to come down here and challenge this situation. And David said unto Saul, 34, this is very important, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard. <laughs> the lion's beard. Come on, people. I'll be reading your Bible a little better than that. All the guys with beards are like, man, I'm trimming it tonight. <laughs> Caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. 
Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And consequently, because of that, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. See, you don't know what I know. And what I know is I've faced some things in life. And this ain't my first rodeo. This is my first battle, okay? I'm not coming here cocky in my own might and strength, but I've been through some stuff. And I believe I'm preaching to some people that have been through some stuff. And those things qualify you to give you the ability to fight whatever it is you're fighting today. Don't care how big it is, how ugly it is, how bad it is, you got some history behind you. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. God wants to affirm and confirm to someone. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, notice, the Lord that delivered me, God that did this for me, and I've seen it, out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee. It's, it's almost as if fate put him there. He didn't go there with the intention, I'm going to fight this, you know, like the battle of my life. He was just doing what he was asked to do by his father, as he had been doing up until that moment in time. And he shows up, and it's, he, just, he sees the situation, and he says, it's what I have to do. And he said, the bear came, and I had to take care of it. It was my job. The lion came, I had to take care of it. It's my job. And Goliath is here, and I got to take care of him, because it's my job, my job from God. I want to preach this morning from the idea, the concept, the thought of you playing your highlight reel. I want you to think about your highlight reel, the highlight reels in your life. And they're going to be a, a time in life that you come up against something that you're going, to have to, you're going to have to reach into the archives. And you're going to have to find that old highlight reel of something that God did in your life and you can remember it. And God gave it to you as a gift to you. And you can bring it into your present situation and you can take that past experience and replay it in your heart and replay it in your mind. And it will incentivize you and it will empower you and it will give you the faith for today to face what you're facing based on the simple fact that if God did it for me before, he can do it for me again. Throw your hands in the air. Can you do that? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, talk to us. Spirit of the Lord, this is your powerful word. In Jesus' name, I pray, talk to us. I pray anointing. I pray unction. I pray, pray the blessing of God. Bring encouragement to your great people. I pray individual encouragement. I pray an incitement of faith in each and every heart today. Help us to remember what the Lord hath done, what God has done in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would massage, incite, strengthen that faith that is within us, that we can put it into action in our present battles. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. And somebody said amen. amen. Before you sit down, I want you to look at a few folks and say, it, it might be time for you to play your highlight reel. It may be time. It may be time for you to do that, to play your highlight reel. And you may be seated. God bless you. Memories. Memories are a beautiful thing. They're, they're, I believe it's a capacity. It's, it's something that God has given humanity as a powerful tool. As a powerful tool. Unfortunately, that tool is not always used for good. Sometimes it's used for bad. 
And if you think about it, the highlight of memory, how many people are defeated by their past? They're living in the past, feasting on the past. All they can remember is the past, all the bad memories, all the bad stuff, all the junk, all the defeat, all the abuse, all the stuff. When really God gave the, the capacity and internal ability in us, he's given us a gift. And that memory ought to serve as a gift to remind us of the nectar and the sweetness and the blessing and the victories and the triumphs and all the times in life. Not that we lost, but all the times in life that we have, we have won. They're, they're memories. They're like, they're like mental images. And, and, and it's, it's amazing the way God made us. But when you th think about certain things, I could say a word to you. I could say boat. And immediately an image flashes up into your mind. I, 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 I could say baseball. And the way that your mind works, it just, you think and you can picture being a little eager or, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, the, it's this thing that this capacity that God has given us, these mental images that pop into our mind that evoke images, but not just images, they evoke feelings within us. Those memories tied to them are emotions and tied to them are, are thoughts. And, and if we think about it, so many precious memories that God has given us. And I thank God today for the reservoir that we have to pull out of, the reservoir of memories that are in our life. We could think about this morning, maybe you think about your wedding day. And for some of you, it's coming. Other of you, it came and went. Some of you, it was a year ago. Some of you, it was a decade ago. Some of you, we celebrate with you today. Some of you have had 40 years of marriage and 50 years of marriage. But you start thinking about this thing called life. There are these precious memories. We think about our children. Of course, I'm a grandfather now, in case you didn't know. I'm a grandpa. I'm grandpal. My Mick, I saw him this morning, made my morning, made my day. Great big old smile, and he reached for me like, there he is. I've been waiting all week. But, but, but memories, God gives us victories and, you know, vacations and times in life and, and things that we, we can draw from. And I would say here this morning that God gives us the gift of memories to encourage us. He gives us the gift of memories if they're used properly and we don't allow the devil to take them hostage and, and to use them against us. They can be so beautifully used for us. They can inspire us. When we think about the good things of the past and we think about the victories of the past, we think about these things, they can catapult us forward into our today and into our tomorrow because factually, just based on what God's already done in my life, and we say things like this, importantly, if God never did another good thing in my life, I'd still have a thousand years to praise and thank God for all the good things in life that he's already done. If he never did another thing, we're spoiled sometimes. We're just so overran with blessing. But if we stop for a moment, and yes, Ron... He's not here, must be in Sunday school, but, but gratitude, a heart of gratitude, because when I look at what the Lord has done in my life, uh, I can summarize by saying, God's been good to me. And these memories, they can spurn us and they can, they can stir us. I'm going to have to tell you a story, and it's going to be a fun one because it involves duck hunting. 
But I bought uh, a couple years ago, I bought an old from a from an old timer, old school duck hunter guy that's been duck hunting for probably 60. And he is the I mean, I, I, I mean, he knows their language. I think he, he knows duck hunting. So he sold me this old classic 1955 Alumacraft ducker. And if any of you were alive during that time and were a duck hunter, you know that the boat to have was an Alumacraft ducker. It is an aluminum boat. It is very flat bottom, very stable. You can stand up in this boat and, and you can't hardly tip it over. The boat only weighs 67 pounds. It was the premier duck hunting boat of its day. Probably to buy that boat today would cost you $5,000. So I, I didn't pay that for it, obviously. It's an old, oldly but a goodie. And, and, and I got the boat and it's all camouflaged out. And so that's so last year I found a, a, uh, a, a, a no motor duck hunting lake and it's, it's a lake that you can't have a motor on. Now the beautiful thing, the terrible thing about that is motors are really nice to get you to where you want to go, especially if you've got one of them big, bad mud motors. Oh man. Then, then if you're a duck hunter, you, you, you can appreciate that. But there are lakes that don't allow motors on them. So I, I've got a certain lake that I go to. Sorry, can't tell you, but, uh, a little secret sweet spot, but uh, can't tell you. But it's it's a great spot, and uh, so I showed up there. It was toward the end of the season, and this I mean, it was perfect duck hunting weather, which most of you say it was a terrible, awful, miserable day. That means great duck hunting. Slate gray skies. There was flurries that were coming down. It was super cold, and I landed my boat, and I got in there. And uh, this, this boat is all camouflaged, and I got this, all this other stuff on there, and it's a little layout boat. And I, I, I row, I find this spot, and I row for about a mile. I'm about 45 minutes to an hour in, and I set up, and it's about my last hunt of the season. And I'm laying there, and it's, if you don't know, you don't know. I'm sorry, but something about being out in the elements and in the weather. And I think some flocks were flying and all of a sudden there was about, I looked at my watch, I had about 45 minutes of hunting light left. And all of a sudden in comes this mallard. And because I'm such a tremendous shot, as he came in, I pulled up, boom. Stop it, Trevor. You can quit smiling over there. I heard you smiling. <laughs> boom. I miss. Boom. I miss. Oh man. Third shot. Boom. And I just winged him. And I watch him and he just does this number like this and he's just kind of, I mean, he didn't drop like a rock. That's how you want to hit dogs, just by the way. If you're a dog, you, you want them just bam, they just hit the ground, just dead, just like that. But I just kind of winged him and he just and kind of landed over in the, the, the brush. And I had about a half hour hunting light left and I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to let him sit because if I, I'm going to blow the rest of my hunt if I go get him. So after about five minutes of that, I couldn't hack it anymore. I had to go get my duck, Al. So I went, I rode over there and I, I picked up my duck and this, I believe was the last hunt of the season. And when I picked it up, I picked that duck up. It was a beautiful mallard, beautiful mallard. But, um, this mallard was special because this mallard had jewelry. Well, some of you don't know what that means. I got one clap in the house. <laughs> that meant this duck had a band on it. And here I am by myself, just me and Jesus. And I'm like, yes, yes, I shot a band. I got a band, man, I got a band. 
And what you got to know about bands, they ban those ducks and, and so they can track migration patterns and they can do all that kind of stuff. And so, so of course, when you get home, then you want to find out where's this duck from? It's probably from, you know, like Hawaii. He's probably like 32 years old. And in your mind, you're picturing all the places it's been. And it's been south and it's been to Saskatchewan and been to North Dakota, been to Arkansas, been to Texas and Mexico. And then it's been all the way back. And so I get on the computer screen and I look and guess where it's from? Thief River Falls. <laughs> I'm still excited. Still excited, you know. Guess when it was born? 23 years ago, right? No, like three months ago. <laughs> but you know what? That's my band of duck. And you know, I keep it on my key ring. Trevor, this is, this is a band in case you're wondering. <laughs> Someday, if you keep at it, son, long enough, you'll get yourself one of these, right? And it's just, what, what is this? This is, this is a trinket. It's, it's a band it's a memento, it's a memory. And you know, I keep this on my key ring because that's just, Joe, it's one of those sweet memories of life. It's a simple thing. And really, folks, the great memories of life are the simple things, really. So you look back over life, it's not the big, it's the simple things. And I can, I can recall that situation like it was yesterday. When I, when I pull this out and look at it, I, I can remember the colors of that. I can remember that day. I explained to you so clearly how I so accurately shot that duck after three shots. But it represents a memory. Can I say this today? That God puts things in our life that are just like that. He, it may be picture albums, it may be videos, it may be, oh God help me, you know, an old VHS tape. Caleb had a VHS tape, it was when he was, here's the thing about if you have kids, if you have kids, the first kid gets all the attention. And the last kid probably, if the truth be told. So Caleb has like a video of his first two years of life, like, I mean, it's like voluminous library amount of materials that are available. And then Mariah came along and we got nothing. He told her she was adopted, by the way. <laughs> no memory, no record of your birth because you're not a part of this family. <laughs> right? So, so you have these things, you have DVDs, you have old memories, and, and you go back and something in your heart gets away. And you're like, I remember that. I, I, rem I remember when that happened. You've got dents on your car that remind you of things. You got, you got scars in life. Uh, maybe taxidermy. I got a, I got a, you know, surprise, surprise. I got a duck in my office. It's a wood duck, and and I can remember the exact day that that happened. What are you saying? I'm saying, an, another way of, of of a metaphor is is a reel. You know what a reel is? There's a certain demographic in our church that absolutely knows what a reel is. There's another demographic. You're like real? Like you talking like real to real? A reel is like a video clip. If you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, there are reels. And, and I'm just going to warn you about reels. They're addictive. It's like a rabbit hole. It's, you, you just do, and before you know it, it's, there's another, there's another, that, 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 that. And then the algorithm starts reading your mind and starts throwing you things like, wow, and whoa, whoa. And you're sucked into this. But it's, 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 it's a memory. It's, it's, a, it's an instance of time that's captured in this, this videography moment. And it's, it's a picture. And I guess, I guess what I'm here to say today is that God wants to give us 
highlight reels in our life. God, God's going to give us victories and situations and I wish I could preach to you this morning that the Lord is going to exempt you from all the problems in life. Can I tell you that if you live for Jesus Christ, all that live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. You know what that means? That means that if I live for Jesus, everything isn't going to be a primrose path to a comfortable eternity. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Living for God's going to bring its own set of challenges. It's going to bring its, its hurts. It's going to bring its wounds. It's going to bring its difficulties. It's going to bring its challenges. But can I tell you something about Jesus? Jesus is so good that in the middle of your challenges, there's a God that if you cry out to him, he'll show up in your trouble. He'll show up in your trial. He'll show up in your tribulation. He'll show up in your difficulty. He'll show up in your impossibility. He'll show up in situations that you're, you'll throw your hands in the air and say, oh God, I don't know what to do next. But let me tell you something about those times in life. Those times in life will drive you to your knees in prayer. And they will drive you to the house of God in faith. And they will drive you to a place of confidence in the Lord where you say, God, I've ran out of options in life. I've tried this and it doesn't work. And I've tried this and it doesn't work. And somewhere you can come to a point where you cry out to the Lord and I've got good news for this church this morning and I'm preaching to the choir because three quarters of you already know it that when you cry out to God he's a good God that will hear your prayer answer your prayer deliver you and help you in his way and in his time and he does that intentionally it's not accidental he does it intentionally. Sometimes he'll allow stress and duress in your life. Sometimes he'll allow difficulty in your life because he's in the process of building your life story. Everybody's going to have a story. Everybody, when it's all said and done, is going to have a testimony. Everybody, if you're going to have a testimony, you got to have a test. Imoni. you got to have a test. That means a time in your life, you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what this is all about. But I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. That's why David would say, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. And that becomes a part of your highlight reel. Becomes part of your story. We're all going to have a story. Ultimately, it's his story. History, it's his story. But all of us are going to have a story in this thing called life. And if there's one thing that I've learned about life, and if there's one thing I'm sure you've learned about life, life is a full contact sport. Life isn't for sissies. It'll bruise you within and without. The longer that you live, the more that you will genuinely sense and know and experience this thing called life. And as you live life, you'll have your trials and your difficulties. Paul lived life, Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. Notice his litany of trials. He said, they ministers of Christ. I speak as a fool. I'm more. Labor's more abundant, stripes above measure, prisons more frequent, and deaths, and deaths often. 
I mean, how many of us can say that? Like, yeah, I've, yeah, I've like almost been dead like a lot of times. Like deaths, like, like people hate my sanctified guts. Like I'm just trying to do good. I just love Jesus. And yet people want to kill me graveyard dead. Isn't that wonderful? In deaths, often. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. God, help us to be a witness unto him and be unafraid of the blowback that we might get as a result of living for Jesus. That was Paul. That's what he did. He said, five times I had 39 stripes. They beat me. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Not like some of you think. That means they threw rocks at him. Until he fell crumpled down in a pile with bleed, bleeding wounds on his head and on his body. Three times he said, I suffered shipwreck a night and a day. I've been in the deep. He said, in journeyings often, in perils of water. Like how many want to be a Christian now? This is full disclosure. In perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger, in thirst, in fastings often. There were times that he was hungry. That meant he just didn't have food. There are times that he had multiple fastings. That means he had food, but he chose not to eat it. He said, in cold and nakedness. And then he said, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He said, beside all that physical stuff, he said, I have the emotional load of trying to carry on my heart the saints of God and the people of God. And he said, that, that's been my life. So summarizing, Paul had beatings. Paul had perils. Paul had painful moments. Hit the times of emotional difficulty, heavy times. And so what I'm saying here today is that all of us, if we, if we live this thing called life, we're going to go through times in life, times of deprivation. You say, I'm living for Jesus. I'm paying my tithes. I'm going to church. I'm working my, 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 my 40 hours a week. And yet I don't have, I got more month than I got money. I don't have enough money coming in. We're going to have times in life like that. But can I also say there's going to be times that in those times of difficulty that God shows himself to it, to us. And a check comes out of nowhere. And a special job comes out of nowhere. And a $100 bill floats into our life out of nowhere. You open up the mailbox and you're surprised at what happens. What are you saying? I'm saying that these challenges of life are a setup. They are a setup for God to show himself to us. He could carry us through life in this bubble. You know, we could like live life on a, a sleep comfort mattress 24-7 all of our life. Everything perfect. But you know what? God doesn't do that. God allows difficulty to come. God allows challenges to come. And he allows them to come so that if we call upon the Lord, he will show up. And when he shows up, then we have another memory to add to our highlight reel of look what the Lord hath done. I think if somehow or another we can look at life. I want to help somebody here today out of the scripture. All right. Everything that happens in life, it's a test. It's a test. It's a test. If you're being pressed today, it's a test. It's a test. If you're on the, the high mountain of life, experiencing tremendous victory and prosperity and all the blessing of the Lord, and you got multiple zeros in your bank account, 
with a digit in front of them, I might add, right? I mean, your retirement's padded full. and It's a test. Are you going to forget God when everything's going well? Everything is a test. I feel like saying, this is a test of the emergency broadcast. It's a test. It's a test. Everything in life is a test. I don't know about you. I want to pass the test. How do I pass the test? I pass the test by being faithful to the Lord. I pass the test in whatever I'm going through. I'm not out to impress you. I'm out to impress him. Whatever I go through. And, and how do I pass the test? How do I pass the test? I pass the test by putting my faith in God. I pass the test by when I come up to it. I say, okay, God, I don't exactly know what I'm going to do right now. In fact, one, one man said, he said, I know not the way that he leads me, but well do I know my guide. I, 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 I don't know what to do here, Lord, but that's why I have a God in my life. And Lord, I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I put my confidence in you. And when I put my confidence in the Lord, the Lord shows himself to me. And in his way and in his time, he delivers me and he helps me and he blesses me. It was David that said, out of all the trials, the Lord hath delivered me out of them all. A-L-L, every one of them. What that means is at some point in my life, no matter how long I've carried it, at some point, God is going to deliver me. God is going to help me. God's going to get me out of this jam. God's going to help my family. God's going to help this situation. And when God does it, I'm going to give him the praise for it. Everything is a test. When you're faced with challenges, it's a test. Are you going to be faithful or are you going to duck and run? Are you going to keep living for God or are you going to say, I'm just throwing in the towel? Everything is a test. I'll never forget the words Brother Foster shared with me a number of years ago. I printed them out and I st stuck them on my computer. The words that he shared were very simple, but he said this. He said, everything in life, he said, you can, you can view it as a problem or you can view it as an opportunity. Those are life-changing words. Everything that comes on, oh, it's a problem. Oh, it's, wow, it's just terrible. Oh, life sucks. I hate life. Wow, life is terrible. Oh, might as well. Or you can say, wait a second. Maybe this is an opportunity for God to show himself. Maybe this is an opportunity for me to grow. Maybe this is an opportunity for my character to develop. Maybe this is a time where God's going to build my faith. I can, I can play the negative reel of how everything can be bad, or I can play the highlight reel knowing everything the Lord's done for me thus far and say, well, if he did it, you know, he's come through for me how many times before? Well, he can certainly come through for me again today. I put my faith in God. I put my trust in the Lord. I'm going to replay the reel of faith and confidence in the Lord. You can view it as a problem or an opportunity. Life's going to bring you lemons. Faith allows you to make lemonade. Life will wound you. It's faith that gives you the ability to find healing in God. 
I will say this though, that when the Lord heals you, quite often there's gonna be a scar left in its place. I was diagnosed uh, about a year ago with melanoma. Not fun. <laughs> Skin cancer, right? The bad kind, the kind that kills you. Now, thankfully, they got it really soon, and it was just in that basically epidermis, just that upper level. And you know what? I had to go in, and they, they gave me like, so the guy's like, I'm going to give you a little shot here. I'm like, okay. Now, this is going to sound misogynistic or sexist, but I sound like a girl when it comes to, when it comes to a shot. I hate shots. I punch me in the face. Just, just take a hammer out and smash my face. Just go and give me a shot, man. Can't stand you. So he pulls out the shot. And then he gives me another shot. Then he gives me another shot. Then he gives me another shot. I'm going, oh, I'm like ready to crawl out of my skin. I'm ready to punch this guy. Gives me another shot. Now he gave me like 12 shots. 12 shots right here, right in the abdomen, right? Then he goes in there and he just starts scissoring away at my flesh. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a sick person in some ways. Please don't say amen. But he got done. I wanted to look at it. He had a little jar. And here's this chunk of meat. You know, it's out of, out of my abdomen. And uh, so they, they sent it in for a test. And the test comes back. It's, it's melanoma. It's cancerous. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so we're going to schedule you because now we want to do uh, whatever they call it, another procedure. They're going to take out more of it, right? And I'm like, I was, I, actually, I was angry. I was ticked off. I'm like, doctor, why didn't you do, you know, why didn't you do this the first time? So, oh, I'm just going to give you a few shots. <laughs> number 10, number 11, he's got to do it again. The problem was I knew what was coming this time. So I'm like in a cold sweat, like, oh, God, help me somehow. I mean, literally, I felt like I was going to pay. I, I'm like, Doc, I'm going to pass out. And he just tilted that chair up about four or five degrees, and boom, blood rushed out of my head, and I was able to endure that. And then he proceeds to... The reason why I, I realized after he cut out the second, the first one was biopsy, it was small. The second one, I get, so I got, what are you saying? What I'm saying is I got a scar about this big. But, but let me tell you something about that scar. That scar, every time I look at it, it reminds me. It reminds me. Thank God they caught it when they caught it. Thank God they got it when they got it. Thank, it's a reminder. There, there are memories. There, they, and there may be things in life. I feel like talking to somebody. God didn't exempt you from some problems in life. Some of you, maybe you come to church wounded. You come to church, preacher, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the kind of abuse I've had in my life. You don't know what my family was like. And I don't. But you know what? God does. God knows what you've been through. God knows how bad it's been. But can I also tell you that what God brings you to, he can work a miracle in that and he can get you through it and he can heal you and he can help you. And what has been a bleeding, gaping wound in your life? Listen up, saint of God. He can heal you in such a way that, that, that it's, it's, it's healed and all that's left is a scar. How do you know when you've forgiven someone? How do you know when you've really let something go? How do you know when you've really been healed? Because it doesn't hurt like it used to hurt. It doesn't bear the same pain deep in your gut that it used to. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, God doesn't erase our memory. You don't, you're never going to forget. Forgive and forget. Not possible. You don't forgive and forget. But what you can do is you can forgive. And then the memory begins to dissipate and it begins to wane. And when you think about it, you know, it's not as frequently. But when you do, it's like grieving. You don't think about it as frequently. But when you do, it doesn't have the same salt in the wound. It doesn't hurt as bad because the thing is healed up now. Now in its place, in its wake, is left a, a scar. And that scar is a memory. It's just a memory. God got me through this. It's a real, 
to real, you complain. You say, wow, whoa, God did that for me. I'm so thankful the Lord helped me with that. It, it further magnifies my faith because if God did that for me then, he, he, can do it. he can do it for me now. You know that beautiful pearls that people spend big buco bucks on? The pearls people want. You know, they want pearls. You know what a pearl is a result of? A pearl is a result of an irritant that gets inside of that, that oyster. And it, and it secretes this, this it's a... Uh, Oh, I'm drawing a blank on what it's called. It's it's a substance. It's a mother of pearl, mother of pearl. And it secretes this substance. And and then it secretes a little more of that substance and a little more of that substance and and another layer and another layer and another layer and another and more of that substance and more mother of pearl. And weeks go by and months go by and years go by and, and, and decades go by. And all of a sudden, somebody searching in the ocean depths, they pull out that oyster, they open it up, and here's this beautiful pearl. So he says, oh, I want that pearl. But that pearl is a result of an irritant that's been healed. It's been glossed over. It's been made better. And now it shines and it shimmers and it's, and it's beautiful. And it's, it's a testament and it's a testimony of the irritant as now it's been healed. I want you to know God will do that for us in our lives. Spoke to somebody this week and they said, how do you know when you've fully forgiven? How do, you, how do you know when you've really let... How do you know when you're there? When the wound isn't as raw as it was in the beginning. And the memory's not gone. But it doesn't hold the same defeating spirit about it that just drags you to the bottom of the, of the depths of darkness. It doesn't do that anymore. Because now you've been healed. I want you to know something here today, and God's going to do that for us in our lives. He's going to give us highlight reels to spurn and to strengthen our faith. The guy that I read about in the beginning, it's, it's not an unfamiliar story, probably the most famous story out of the Old Testament, probably. He's just a kid. By this, this time, his dad is an old man. His name is David. He's David. He's that shepherd boy. He's the youngest, and um, you know sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. We could talk about birth order. He happens to be the youngest, and I personally think that in his case, it was not good, it was bad. He was the eighth. David makes statements like this. He said, I was born in sin. I was shapen in iniquity. And I don't know if we can hear the longing of his heart somehow, maybe potentially the illegitimacy of his birth. Maybe we know that... Uh, you know, in many ways, when, when the, the prophet comes and all the sons of Jesse are paraded before me, Samuel says, bring all your sons. Isn't it amazing he doesn't call for his youngest son? He says, oh, the prophet looks and says, oh, this big, bad, burly dude, he must be the Lord's anointed. Oh, this next guy, oh, he certainly is very charismatic. He, he must be the Lord. No, and God says, no, it's not. Because it's not always what you see with the eye. Sometimes it's the qualities of the heart. And, and he's like, well, okay, we've exhausted these seven. So, did, I mean, you got any more kids? Oh, yeah, we got, we got an eighth one. And he, and he brings old David up there, the forgotten boy, the kid, uh, the forgotten kid, the throwback, the, you know, the family reject, the black sheep. And, 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 he, and he, he brings about and puts anointing oil upon him and uh, sends him back out into the field. All of a sudden, it's this David that steps out into the Valley of Eli. When he steps into the Valley of Eli, he comes to... 
A very precarious time in Israel's history. On one hill, there is all the Philistines. On the other hill is all of God's people. And, 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 and they're having little skirmish battles, but there's nothing decisive that is happening. And, and, and they're at a standstill, if you will. And the Bible tells us in Samuel 17 that this, this guy named Goliath, he's over nine, I mean, he's like Shaq on steroids. Big old dude comes out and says, give me a man. And, and it, he doesn't just come out one time. The Bible says he comes 40 days in a row. And he doesn't just come 40 days in a row. He comes in the morning and he comes in the evening. That's 80 trips. That's 80 trips that Goliath makes out of that valley, challenging God's people. This is what is referred to as an aura of invincibility. You know, there are some situations that are so long standing, they've been this way for so long. Can they ever change? 80 trips, he's making the same statement. All of a sudden, you know, here comes little Davy. But he wasn't just little Davy. He was a young man, but he's a young man that had experience in his life. Sometimes these kind of people are described as an old head on young shoulders. He'd experienced life, he'd been through things, he'd been through rejection. He'd been through trials. And he comes out to this battlefield. He's like, you know, you can picture, no wonder his brother's kind of freaked out by him. Like the audacity, like David, like, he's like, what's going on here? What's this mess going on? And all of a sudden, David decides to take on the greatest challenge of his life. And there are times all of us in our lives may face this kind of a battle, massive battle. But can I tell you this morning that God did not send David to that battle unprepared. Nor will you. God's not going to send you to a challenge that's, that's so great that it's going to defeat you. Some of you need to get a little mouthy with the enemy of your soul. Some of you got to learn how to talk back. Some of you got to learn how to get your voice back. Some of you have been silenced for too long. And the enemies browbeat you and beat your head in. And, and, and you're just used to taking the blows. I, I believe God wants some people to rise to their feet and learn how to stand and get their voice back. Allow that enemy to continue to browbeat you. Because listen, it, 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 David did not come to that battle unprepared. It is private devotion that precedes public demonstration. It is preparation that is preceded. It's opportunity that comes preceded by preparation. You know, I know a lot of people in life, they talk about, oh, I want to do great things in life. I want to do great things in life. I want to do great things for God. I want to, oh, I want to do, and, and, oh, I got big dreams for God. And, oh, I have, a, have myself my first pyramid. I want to do great things, big things for God. Can I tell you something right now? God is not going to immediately send you into the battle. He's not going to send you into the battle of a lifetime. There are some dreams that if you were able to fill that dream today, it'd be too big for you. It would kill you. But let me tell you what God does. God is in the business of preparing you for what's going to come your way. God is in the business that he's going to bring smaller challenges your way. He's going to bring smaller difficulties your way. And he's going to give you the opportunity to build faith in your life so that when that big daddy comes along, you're going to have a highlight reel that says, oh, I, I know what the Lord can do. God will give you experiences that will fuel your faith. Amen. 
So David shows up, and of course his brothers just, they're ridiculous. They he think he's ridiculous. He shows up before the king. And the king, of course, sees the same thing. Here's this young man. But, 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 but church, class, what did David do when he stood before Saul and Saul questioned him? What did David do? David replayed a highlight reel. Oh. Watch. He said, thy servant kept his father's sheep and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock and I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth and when he rose against me I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him thy servant slew both the lion and the bear can I tell you that there was an unforgettable moment in David's life when David could go back and he could go back and he could replay the highlight reel you know, here's the problem with the Bible. Can I tell you the problem with the Bible? You're like, pastor's going to tell me the problem with the Bible. Let me tell you the problem with the Bible. The problem with the Bible is you're reading black and white words on a page. You're reading words on a page, but you're not realizing it's a summary of something that really happened. I, I know people talk about, I want to go bear hunting. Some, and that's fine. I hear some people say, I want to go brown bear hunting. I want to go to Alaska. I want to go brown. I think you're nuts. You want to go brown? I know people say, I want to go brown bear hunting with a bow. I think you're out of your ever loving mind. If I had time, I'd, I'd share. I've got stories. I've got, I got bear stories. Some of you got bear stories. Like, you know, you're out in a tent. <laughs> you're out in a tent in the middle of nowhere. Right? And all of a sudden, I mean, if there ain't a bear there, your imagination is telling you there's a bear there because I smelled his breath and I heard, it, heard him panting. I'm going to tell you right now, a bear, the pause of a bear, the swipe of a bear. I've seen videos of one swipe of a bear takes a man's forehead completely right off, just takes his forehead off. One swipe, and the Bible says, I'm telling you right now that David was bad to the bone. He was, he was, he would, let me tell you why he was bad. Not because of his muscles. He was bad because of his faith in God. He was strong because of his confidence in the Lord. He was strong because he knew that God would help him. He had too many days, too many lonely days on the backside of a wilderness singing songs to God, right? He was no sissy. He was a man's man. He had that sling. I, I, man, I feel like preaching four hours today. I'm sorry. But, you know, I, I was looking at it this week. Do you realize there's at least two very powerful references in the Old Testament? One reference I read this week. If I had time, I'd look it up right now. One reference where there was a group of men that were warriors that came to a city, and they overcame that city with their slings. There's another group, the Bible says, that they could hit a target within a hair breadth with a sling. He, I'm you, that was a weapon of war. And here it's a different weapon. It's weird. You know, some people are weird. Let me tell you the definition of weird. The definition of weird is they do it different than the way you do it. Let me tell you that's the definition of weird. 
So God said, I got somebody with a brand new, I got somebody with a different gift. Uh, he comes from a different place, uh, but oh, he's got a consecration before the Lord. He, he's got a power of God in his life. And that, 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 that bear comes in and he, he grabs and he takes that sheep out of the bear's mouth uh, and, and he hits that bear with his staff uh, and he kills that bear with his bare hands. As if that wasn't enough. A lion comes in after one of his sheep let me tell you the kind of guy that David was. David was the kind of guy that if he had a job to do, that was his job. And he was going to do it, and he was going to do it right, and he was going to do it with integrity, and he was going to do it because it was before the Lord. I'm saying we need a church full of people like that. Let's say my calling, my job, my, my, my position, what it is that I'm supposed to do in my family as a husband, as a wife, my job, what it is I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do it with all I've got because this is before the Lord and I've got a God that's watching me right now and I've got a God that I want to please. And he did that and the lion comes in. Listen, I've been to the zoo. Them things are scary. You seen them? And they look at you like, I could eat you with one bite. I could maim you. I could chomp you in half in one bite. But the Bible says the lion came in after the lamb. And David says, not my lamb. Not my lamb. You ain't get my lamb. And it says he took him by the beard. And he slew him. <laughs> and so from that point forward, every time David went into his tent, allow me a little room for conjecture. Every time he went into his tent and he laid down to go to bed, he laid down to go to bed, he got that old bear hide. And he kind of rubbed his hands on the bear hide. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> he went down. And then he reached over and there was the lion. There was the lion mane. Yeah. God gave me victory over him too. There's the bear there's a lion. Yep. God gave me victory over both of them. How many nights did he stroke that bear rug? How many nights did his hand feel the hair of that lion's mane? How, how many days went by when he walked into his tent and he saw the remnants of, and the remains of, of a vanquished foe? How many times did he see an enemy that came against him that his God gave him the victory over? How many times did he recollect in his mind and replay, 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 replay the highlight reel of the victory of what the Lord hath done. How many times in his mind, God did it then, God did it then. And all of a sudden his faith and his confidence in the Lord, he's like walking on air. God can do anything. God, because he's feeding his mind the right thing. Oh, I feel like preaching here today. There are some people, there are some highlight reels that you need to shut off. There are some defeats that are replaying in your mind over and over again. You need to shut them off. You need to shut off that highlight reel. I'm not thinking about the defeats in my life anymore. I'm thinking about the times that God got me through. I'm thinking about the times that, oh, I remember how the Lord did this for me. And he's stroking the bear rug. He's, he's stroking 
stroking the, the mane of the lion. God brought me through this. He did it for me. My trust is in the Lord. I'm going to write songs to God. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to worship when nobody's watching in the middle of this wilderness because God's been good to me. He's a, oh, I'm going to pull my harp out. I'm going to sing another song about the Lord that hath delivered me from the mouth of the lion and the bear. I'm going to sing another song. Look what the Lord hath done. He's an awesome God. And friend, that is what motivated him when he walked in to the battle with Goliath. He had a memory. He had a, he had a highlight reel that he'd been playing over and over and over and over and over and over. He had confidence in his God. That's how he could say, I'm not afraid of this great big warrior. I do have a sling. Oh, there's so many things to this story. Some people are like, it's all God. It's all God. No, it's not all God. It's not all God. Some people are like, it's all me. It's all me. It's all me. It's all me. I did it. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look at me. Some people are like, it's all God. Listen, God used David. God used David's skills. I mean, if he'd have been a chump, he'd have been a lazy dog, he didn't do his job. That's eh, not my line, or it's not my sheep. I don't care. So what? If all he did is spend his time on the phone in the middle of the desert there, <laughs> nobody can see. Nobody can see me. I spent all my time on my phone. No, he's like, I'm going to practice because there may be a day. How many years did he do that? And all of a sudden, he walks down into the valley, well prepared. You know why he was well prepared? He had a skill. More importantly, he had a track record of faith in the experience and what God can do. Put your hands together. Let's magnify the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And God wants us to have that. He wants us to have that. Us to have that. In this passage of scripture, seven references, David says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord will help me. The Lord will do this. The Lord. But David had good reason for that. God had shown himself to David over and over and over and over and over. And he knew from personal experience what God could and would do because he had a highlight reel. I am saying within the church of the living God, there ought to be mighty spoils of war, of things that God has brought us to and he's brought us through. Mementos and tokens and stories and victories and times that inspire our confidence and they, they feed us. David lets loose that stone. That stone finds its mark right in the forehead. Isn't that amazing? Can we read this story with new eyes? It wasn't an accident. They're all good luck. <laughs> good luck. It was a skill that had been sharpened that had the blessing of God upon it. And that, that's, if he had five smooth stones, isn't it amazing? The first stone, well chosen. Dong. Dust. 
David's like, I ain't got a sword. He runs up, pulls the sword out, severs his head from his shoulders, grabs his head. <laughs> and the congregation is there like, And they come running out of the hills and God wrought a mighty victory. All the Israel, because it awakened within. Sometimes God will give us strategic victories like that. That wake the, the people of God up. Like, whoa. And David's got Goliath's head. You, you got to go, okay. Verse 54, David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. Bear rug. Lion's mane. Goliath's armor. And it's and here's the unique thing. Remember when he went before Saul? Saul's like, Saul's like, here's my armor. He tries it on, and he's like. I mean, I'm a big guy, but it doesn't quite fit. That, that's, not, that's not my path. I got to give that back to you. So he doesn't take Saul's armor, but God gives him Goliath's armor. Every time he went into stairs, there it is. There's another victory. No wonder, no wonder, no wonder God could use him the way they did. He takes the, he takes the giant's head. Jerusalem. At this point, Jerusalem was not under Israelite control. Jerusalem was called Mount Jebus. You know what Jebus means? It was, there's only four places in the Bible the word Jebus is used, but Jebusites is used 44 times. Because the Jebusites, out of the 24 lists in the Bible of all the, you know, the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the ites, right? Normally, they're the last one on the list, the Jebusites. Mount Jebus, they had a mountain that later becomes Jerusalem. Mount Jebus, David takes the, the head and he marches it to the hill of the Jebusites. And it's as if he says, I'll be back. Oh, God, help us. He said, I'll be back. And you know what? He comes back. He comes back years later with the people of God. And they're on the Jebusites are on the wall saying, if you even give us, we'll put out our crippled and they, they, can, they can guard the walls of this. And you're, you're lousy, cheap little bandit. And, and he says, the, he gives them a reward. First one that does that and conquers the city. And the people of God rise up. They take the city. And from that point forward, it is called Mount Zion. It is called Jerusalem. It is called the city of David. How did it happen? Because he had a memory reel. He had a highlight reel. He had a confidence in what the Lord could do in his life. I've come here to remind somebody here today that your past victories can give you the faith for your present victories. If God was with you then, he can be with you now. If God did it then, he can do it now. Stand with me this morning. But what you got to do is you got to catalog, catalog, categorize some of those memories. What God has done for you. There's a word. You know what that word is? There's a word. It's called muscle memory. 
Muscle memory. Travis, you know about that, right? Any golfer knows about muscle memory. What does that mean? That means you get your swing just right enough times, and, and, and you, you do that, that right most. That's why doing the right thing is really important because you can pick up bad habits, and your muscle memory will have a bad habit. That's why you get a coach that will help you and say, ah, I think you need to tweak this and tweak that because it's this thing. If, if you do the same thing the right way over and over and over and over and over, you know what happens? There's, there's a pattern. There's a, there's a muscle memory, and it's like, you just know, you step up to that ball, it's the same muscles. They, they, they work in coordination with one another. What are you saying? I'm saying that you can live for God long enough uh, with enough victories in your life, uh, with enough righteous responses uh, in obedience to the word of God that when the enemy comes against you, you can do like David did. Amen. Come on, church. We don't duck and run. We don't hide. We don't, we don't cry in our beer. Because Christians don't drink beer. Yeah. That's not what we do. We run to God. Come on, we run to God. We run to the Lord. We run in faith. We run to the altar. We run to fasting. We run to the body of Christ. We run, we run to the word of God. And all of a sudden the Lord comes through for us again and again and again and again. Come on, music. Come on, come. I'm done. I'm done. And what do we do? We run and God shows himself to us. He shows himself to us over and over and over and over and over again. And our confidence rises and our faith rises and our trust rises. And then when that happens, God gives us a victory. And we say, wow, amazing. Look at what the Lord has done. Oh, praise God. What happens when you get a church full of people with testimonies? What we're offering in this church is not a dead religion. Come on, somebody. We're not offering a dead religion. Oh, come to our religious service. I give you Jesus today. The power of God that'll work on your behalf. The God that if you'll stir up your recollection and your memory, catalog within our lives are victories over and over and over again. Amen, amen, amen. I'm gonna invite you to come. As a body of Christ, I'm gonna invite you to come. What do you say we stir ourselves? Remind us.